Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined today by uh, Mr. Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, mm-hmm. Mr. Chad Prather from uh, the Chad Prather Show. What is it? Humor me? Humor me. And the Chad Prather Show. You got it. And uh, Josh Hammer, special guest Josh Hammer from The Daily Wire. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. All right, I think we are all in agreement here at the table that the top story of the day is obviously... Robert Francis O'Rourke, I almost said it. I almost said the wrong name. Robert Francis O'Rourke and his big, big announcement. Let's, uh, let's, let's watch a, a quick clip of that. Amy and I are happy to share with you that I'm running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. This is a defining moment of truth for this country and for every single one of us. The challenges that we face right now, the interconnected crises in our economy, our democracy and our climate have never been greater, and they will either consume us or they will afford us the greatest opportunity to unleash the genius of the United States of America. In other words, this moment of peril produces perhaps the greatest moment of promise for this country and for everyone inside of it. Mm, Lots Mm. to unpack there. Uh, First, we want to thank our sponsor, Mercury Real Estate. So Glenn decided that Apparently, the best way to find a realtor is not to find the guy who is on the bench that you sit your rear end on. Who knew? Mm. Who knew that that was not actually the best way to find a real estate agent? So his team actually vetted, they vet all of these real estate agents all over the country um, to make sure that this is what they do full time. This is their expertise. They know the area that they're working in. Um, And so they've done the work so that you don't have to. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home or let's talk about if you're moving across the country. Josh, you just said that you're about to do that soon. I am. Right. So that in that case, you have no idea what area to look for. You don't know the values of the neighborhoods of your neighbors. You don't know that. So if you're moving across the country, especially realestateagentsitrust.com, you're really going to want to use one of that one of those real estate agents. They know it. You don't. Trust them. Glenn's already vetted them for you. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. So Beto. Mm. Oh, man. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. He, you know he was born to do this, Pat? Yeah, well, that's what he said. Man, I was born to do this. <laughs> that is poetic. It's powerful. It's powerful. <laughs> Makes me want to vote for him. Uh, the first thing I wanted to uh, unpack was mm. the fact that is there a single Democrat who knows this country is not a democracy? Our democracy isn't broken because we don't have one. (laughs) This is not a democracy. You don't need to fix it. Um, So that said, um, he's he's kind of scary because he's uh, this cult of personality like Obama was. And people seem to go crazy for him wherever he goes. And um, there's really no reason for it. Why? I mean, because he can skateboard in a Whataburger parking lot. Is that uh, that to me, that doesn't qualify him to be president really? of the United States. Are yeah. you sure? Surprising, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some policies. Now, they do say that he is more moderate than just about anybody else in this field, uh, especially without Biden in the field. He claimed in the article um, that was written about his announcement that he's a capitalist. And he's, as far as I know, he's the only candidate so far in the Democrat field that has said he is a capitalist. Mm-hmm. So at least there's that. But he's, what, the 63rd person in the race for them? <laughs> thought it was 102. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I want to say right here on the News and Why It Matters, I'm going to look straight into this camera as I say it, that, that I am now running for <laughs> it's, it's be bigger. president. Bigger. 
of the United States. You got to be bigger with the hand. I'm joining the Democratic (laughs) Party. Just so I can run. Just so, his wife looked like she's been slapped a little, you know, like yeah. like you know he's she, he's the hands gotten out of the way and pow. The flailing arm syndrome has affected yeah. this woman clearly. Yeah, clearly, it's crazy. So Bob Franco Rourke married a rich lady. He was a congressperson who accomplished nothing. What he's a city councilman, isn't that right? So here's mm-hmm. a guy who, like Obama, Obama at least with two years as senator had a little bit more experience. This guy's done nothing. He's going to throw his hat in the ring, but he's cool. Let's face it. When he enters the room, as the reporter said the other day, the room shakes. You know, this guy's. That's like Chris Matthews. I uh, had a what is thrill, I had a thrill up, up my leg. leg. And so here's a guy. This Democratic Party of diversity has chosen a tall white <laughs> frat boy uh, with floppy hair that can skateboard. It's so much for the um, you know the racial divide that we've seen in this country. So I just compiled a little list. Of Democratic fakes, okay? We have a fake black person, Rachel Dolezal. We got a fake victim, Jussie Smollett. We got fake civil rights leader, Sean King. We got fake news, CNN. We got a fake Indian, Elizabeth Warren. And now we have a fake Mexican that calls himself Beta. (laughs) The list could go on. That's great, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I look at that video and, like, not to punch too far below the belt, but my first take is. His wife does not believe anything that her husband no. is saying. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, and, I and th- how weird was it to just have her there the entire time staring at him? She didn't add any value. Nothing to the whatsoever. Video. It was yeah. bizarre. Yeah, and very she, awkward. Yeah, and she's not looking particularly longingly or admiringly. No. She's kind of like sitting there very awkwardly. So, <laughs> I, I, if she can't even believe what her husband is saying, how are the American people? And I actually have a lot of friends on the left, Sarah, and all my friends like unanimously who are of that persuasion don't believe a damn thing that comes out of Robert Francis or Rourke's mouth. They don't know like where the heck he is on any issue. He's a chameleon to them. And it's just impossible for me to see what niche, what lane of the Democratic primary electorate he possibly fulfills. If he's trying to go centrist, uh, you probably have Biden. If you want to go hard to the Marxist economic left, you've got Bernie. And you've got Liz Warren, for that matter, too, if she can get over this you know, Cherokee gate kind of thing, which she probably won't. <laughs> no, but, I don't think um, so. If she's trying to go identity, polit- or he's trying to go identity politics, you've got Cory Booker, you've got Kamala Harris. I mean, there's, there's just no lane for O'Rourke to go into. So. Honestly, I think this is a vanity run is trying to appease those kind of pearl-clutching New York Times reading liberals on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I mean, it's trying to make skateboarding great again, maybe. I mean, <laughs> uh, he's trying to make DWIs great again. I, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, he brings nothing to the table. Like, he was literally a legislative backbencher for six years in the U.S. House, did absolutely nothing. He was one of 10 congressmen to vote against Iron Dome funding in Israel. He's one of the most anti-Israel congressmen in the entire U.S. House, which Ted Cruz talked about on the campaign trail all the time in the Senate race, he has accomplished nothing. And I just don't understand what he's doing this for. Well, he lost a Senate race. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. there's that, too. So don't Big forget that. Big resume item, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, I do agree with your assessment that, you know, he seems to be this chameleon because, as you pointed out, Pat, he he's saying that he's a capitalist, but mm-hmm. the, the ideas that he's been advocating for, not so capitalist uh, you know, yeah. uh, so it makes me question, does he think that he can just capture the people who have not gone so far over the edge that they're socialists yet? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. But again, if Biden's in the race, right. that changes everything. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, Biden will probably enter. Uh, I, I think Biden has a lot of his own baggage. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty much impossible to see how Joe Biden survives the Me Too moment, right? I mean, everyone has seen the clips of him over you the mean, years. Cre- creepy Uncle Joe? Creepy Uncle Joe. I mean, creepy Gro- Groping young, young girls? And groping is the operative word, okay? It's not just, like, fl- flirtatiousness. Right. This is, like, full-on, like, groping. So it's pretty much impossible for me to see. And then he has, he has some substantive baggage, too. Joe Biden used to be, like, a hard-on-crime kind of guy. I mean, the first step back that the president's poor and just passed with a large bipartisan majority, the old Joe Biden of the 90s would have been a hard vote 
against that. He was like a real tough on crime guy. He's had some kind of racially fringy comments that you could see the intersectional coalition kind of digging up as well. So I don't see Biden going anywhere, but he at least has this capitalist credential to the extent anyone can have a credential. I mean, it's kind of like being the tallest dwarf or small person, whatever the politically correct term is. I mean, it's like not really saying much, but like he's like allegedly of a capitalist persuasion. So it's, it's not really clear to me to see how... Bobby F, if we're calling him, you know, Bobby F O'Rourke can kind of, even, even out capitalists, creepy Bob Frank. Yeah, exactly. Bobby, Bobby Frankie O'Rourke. I, I have to disagree on the racially fringe stuff with Joe Biden. He said he'd found a clean, articulate African-American guy who was good looking, and that was a storybook. Yeah. But he found one. So I think that was, uh, that was pretty finally powerful. Pretty, pretty big endorsement of black people from, uh, from Joe. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know how he survived that in, in 2008. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how do you survive that? And to wind up the guy's running mate. It's amazing. Well, I mean, because again, uh, you know, to your point, it seems to be that it's just the, the conservatives who get all of these things dug up about them yeah. and actually suffer consequences, right? I mean, I, you know, you have Kevin Hart, who originally there was fallout, but then they begged him to come back. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, Jesse Smollett, who made something up and... They're still waving his flag. Um, so it just, it seems like he may be able to go onto the stage unscathed just because that's, that's just what the left does for their own. Um, but I will say, did you guys read the Rolling Stone uh, interview, I guess you would call it? Or was it Vanity Fair on uh, Beto O'Rourke that, that came out? I think it was Vanity Fair, yeah. Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was interesting. He said that one of his, his, greatest, his greatest drawback was that he is a white man, to your point, Chavez. <laughs> it's that he's a white man and that, you know, he thinks that everyone's just tired of seeing white men rule this country and that's just going to be something that he's going to have to overcome. And the way he will overcome it, you guys, is that he is going to make sure that he puts in his, you know, in his cabinet, in his administration, people who are just like America. He should do blackface. Let's see how that goes over. Look, he's a liar. What do I mean? In 2018, he gave a very public interview where he said, I will not run. I will not do it. If I run for president, we have two small children. After everything we've been through, it, my family will not withstand a presidential run. Now he comes out and he says, I'm going to run. What changed his mind? Well, probably everybody whispering in his ear that he's God and that he could do it. And, and it, this became a fame thing. Look, Barack Obama did not run because he want. Look, Barack Obama wanted to be a celebrity, period. We've seen that through everybody that he through his White House parties, everybody invited in all of his rhetoric. Now he's working with Netflix, doing these things. He was a you know late night talk show guy that jumps on there and Michelle was no different. Beto O'Rourke is the same thing. He's heard too many whispers in his ear that have said, you can be great, you can be great, you can be great. So this is pure vanity on parade. Well, I mean, I also, in that same article, uh, it talked about, he was, discuss- he was discussing it with his young son and his son said, I don't want you to run for president. I'll cry all day. And right. Beto said, well, you just the one day? And he was like, no, every day I'll cry. <laughs> I'm like, that's actually really cruel. To, to joke yeah. with him about it, the kid is obviously very upset that his dad has not been around, doesn't want his dad to run. And instead of, like you said, he already announced that he was not going to run because his family was more important. Now we're seeing apparently his family is not uh, important enough for him to not run and to not 
have that godlike complex. And I've got to agree with what you said. She doesn't believe what he's saying. Not if you read the body language, I mean, she starts out like they're about to announce to their family they're having a baby. You know, she's so, uh, I can't stand it. And then all of a sudden, once he gets to talking, she's down to the grin. She's like, <laughs> a very forced <laughs> smile there. You can read the body language. She's not enthused at all about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, again, what does it say about how he feels about his kids? Yeah. Like, to me, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. If I see this guy and he's A, in the interview, we learned that his dad, and there's, there's her grin. We learned that she has been beat before by those hands. <laughs> we, those hands will get away from you. We learned that, you know, his, his son is very upset. Uh, that's not a really good dad move. And then later on in the article, he actually drops an F-bomb. Traffic incident. Yes, yeah. while he's driving. He drops an F-bomb, which is like, okay, we've already learned your, your, uh, what happens when you are in traffic, Beto. So you probably want to be on your best behavior when you're being interviewed. He darts out into traffic and apparently says MFers to the, uh, the other cars and then turns around and is like, oh, sorry, kids. He's dropping F-bombs in front of his kids. Who, like, this is not the wholesome man that he's portraying yeah. himself to more, more generally, I feel like Robert Francis is kind of on the cutting edge of trying to normalize F-bombs and just general cussing yes. in this country. Yeah, because he, he, he made one in his concession speech, He did make one in the mm-hmm. concession speech. I, I feel like he did on the, on the, on the stump on the campaign trail all mm-hmm. the time, though. Um, I, I actually have a huge issue with this. Like, I'm not a prude. Like, I watch radar movies. I actually cuss quite a bit in my private life. I'm also not running for U.S. Senate, okay? Right, right. Like, there's a huge difference between kind of, like, cussing amongst, like, your friends at the bar. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I, I literally do that all the time. But, like, if you're on the public stage on national television, you should hold yourself to a higher standard. Well, they always yeah. say that with Trump, yeah. right? I mean, he calls someone a moron, and they're like, he should have more decorum than that. Yeah. What about this? Why does, why does he get a pass? Why does Beto get a pass? Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to, we're going to take a break and then we're going to get into the 2020 uh, candidates and what that field looks like when we come back. Okay, guys, now I want to get into... The 2020 Democratic field. <laughs> I don't Let's understand how he does Let's that all the time. Let's just put our heads together. It It'll feels, sound like a bowling alley. It feels so unnatural to do. I and then you got to get sweaty, too. You sweat through your clothing. <laughs> yeah, he is sweaty. He's very sweaty. I saw Stu tweeted out today that he wants Trump to use the, the nickname Sweaty Beto. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You're just calling like Sweato. Swe- oh, Sweato's good. See, that's why I want up Stu all the time. You've got to get that into their hands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sweato. That's gold. That's Sweato O'Rourke. You heard, you heard I it wanna, here Okay, first. so you're seeing my new hoodie. We're going to get Sweato hoodies. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're going to get Sweato clothes. Robert Francis, a.k.a. Sweato. <laughs> Only here on the News and Why It Matters. Dad, damn it, why'd I say that publicly? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Sweato. Uh, okay, but Josh, you just wrote uh, a piece at the Daily Wire on the 2020 Democratic field. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so back in 2016, I'll back it up a little bit. I I saw each party kind of having three separate wings. On the Republican side, what I saw was kind of the traditional business Wall Street Journal establishment, like the, you know, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz style conservative, and it's kind of ascendant national populist wing. On the Democratic side, you kind of had the Clintonian establishment. Mm -hmm. And then on like the far progressive left, I actually saw two separate groups. You have kind of the economic justice oriented, basically Marxists, right? I mean, Bernie Sanders, Liz Warren, let's call them what they are, the Marxists. People who are focused on class warfare, uh, 80% tax rates, pilfering the rich, Green New Deal, all that stuff. 
And then you have kind of like the Obama identity politics coalition, right? The coalition of basically aggrieved interest groups, kind of the finding various groups, divide and conquer identitarian warfare, for lack of a better term. So I think in 2020, the Clintonian establishment, for what I can tell, is basically dead. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. This is a political yeah. party, the Democratic Party, that refuses to condemn actual post-birth infanticide. It's, 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 it's ridiculous that, by the way, the post-birth is even necessary there. But right. actual infanticide, right. they are watering down multiple times a basic condemnation of Jew hatred from an openly anti-Semitic mm. member of Congress. This is a crazy freaking party. We have gone a mm-hmm. long, long way from the 1990s, safe, legal, and rare, capital gains, tax cuts, all that stuff from the Clintonian 1990s. So I see it going in 2020 on their side to an ultimate kind of bifurcated primary between the economic justice wing and the intersectionality wing. Mm. And I think Bernie has a real grip on the economic justice wing. I don't really see anyone who's truly going to compete there. Liz Warren's the closest one, but it's pretty much impossible to take her seriously after the whole 1-1024th Cherokee thing, right? So that's not going to happen. And then within the other let's, wing, let's be let's be fair. It was impossible to take her seriously yeah, before enough. that came out. Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah. I see your point. Yeah, I mean she's less likable than you know. I, I, I fill in whatever adjective you want. Right. I mean, like yeah. So she so Bernie's got a, a lock on that. Then you look at the identitarian wing. Mm-hmm. Who is it? It's Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. But during the whole Kavanaugh fiasco, when they were, they were both on the Senate Judiciary Committee, I was talking to a lot of my law school friends at the time, and what I was saying was. The thing about Cory Booker is he's actually not a crazy person. If you look back to his history, he used to support like school choice when he was Newark mayor. He was like fairly pro-Israel. He comes from like a somewhat moderate, somewhat business-friendly background. He's a smart guy, like Yale Law School. I think he was like a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford or something like that. So the thing about Cory Booker is that I think Cory Booker is actually too smart to pretend to be as crazy as he needs to be mm-hmm. to capture that wing. God, that's sad. Kamala Harris, I mm-hmm. just don't see it. I don't. I, 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 I think she's not on Cory Booker's intelligence level, and she's also more willing to pander. So I think she's got a lot of momentum there. So I see it's coming down to Bernie representing the Marxists and Kamala representing the Identity Politics Coalition. And at that point, the Democratic Party, I just see having a big old battle royale, a big free-for-all between what do we value more? Do we value Orwellian economic class warfare, or do we value Orwellian identitarian right. racial warfare. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. What, is, what did he even say? I don't even know. Big words. Big <laughs> words. <laughs> Kamala doesn't have... Here, let me, let me break it down. Kamala doesn't have anyone that she can sleep with to get to that next level. So see, that she's out. That's, that's out. Like, her MO's gone. Cory Booker, he's developed the crazy eyes. People can't hear what he's saying because like Beto with the hands, he's got the crazy eyes. Just, uh. So... <laughs> It's going to be a circular firing squad is what we're going to see. It is, they're going to devour each other because they have to, because the left is now, now like you said, gone are the days of, of good old-fashioned liberals, good old-fashioned Democrats. You know, uh, the, the folks that lived in Alabama will always vote Democrat. Well, that, this, this is way off the chain. This is socialist Marxism. It, it's crazy if you just listen to it long enough. We're in 1959 Cuba with this rhetoric going on. People really need to wake up to this thing because it's dangerous. Um, they are on this all-out mission to out-left one another. They want to out-radicalize mm-hmm. each other. So a guy like Cory Booker, he can't come in and say, hey, I'm a sensible guy that wants to make... No, you, he's got to come up with something off the wall. So now you have three of those candidates that are saying, well, we're losing the black vote. Let's do reparations. Let's buy them back. So it's that age-old Democrat tactic of slavery. We're going to buy black people again. This is ridiculous. If you break that down and you look at it, this is what we're up against with this thing. And the problem, and that's why Nancy Pelosi comes in and all these others that say we want to lower the voting age to 16 because the the less skin you have in the game and the more ignorant and undeveloped your brain is, you're going to look at those things and say, well, that makes sense. 
Well, look, I was I ran for class president in the eighth grade and I lost to a kid who promised he was going to put Coke machines in the hallways and that you could have your choice in school lunches. I lost because he made promises that he couldn't deliver on. But hey, kids don't realize that. Yeah. Free stuff sells. Free stuff sells. Mm. Pat, you want to jump in here and wait? Yeah, I, it's going to be, 2020 is going to be an interesting time and show how far left the country has gone. Has it gone? If it's gone as far left as the Democrats have, we're done. Yeah. I mean, we are done as a country. Yeah. As you said, they brought reparations back. They used to be laughed off the stage if they brought up reparations. Nobody was for reparations. Nobody's serious. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, they were the reparations people. Now you're hearing it from... Five of the candidates, uh, the Green New Deal, something so extreme and radical that it might cost $100 million, $100 trillion. Which, by the way, Beto said that he thinks the Green New Deal is a great idea. So it's interesting. I mean, I mean that's unbelievable. Capitalist guy that's unbelievable. saying that's Which, a Which let me add idea. to my list. Now we got a fake economist in, in uh, Ocasio-Cortez yes. who's hanging out with a fake Scientists. Still not a science. Nice. Right. Yeah. So many fakes. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean that. And, yeah. you know, they want to end ICE. They want to open borders. I mean, if America votes for a Democrat in 2020, I really feel and fear for our country's future. Well, that's it's why. over. I, I know that, you know, Glenn keeps saying it's going to probably come down to the economy and what the economy is doing at that particular moment. But I even still think, I mean, if that is that group of people standing up on that stage is what the American people have to choose from. They Heaven would help us. Still, I mean, I would mm. like to hope they would still choose Trump just because, again, so. again, it's like, okay, mm. I can have Trump or I can have crazy town. Yeah. Or I can have Venezuela, you know, right. in, in 10 years. Right. I would hope that that would be the case. Now, to that regard, we have Trump to blame for what we're seeing here because Trump changed the game on how politics is going to be done and how elections are going to be determined because he came in and was so anti-establishment and went so far off the rails with, with the way he communicated and the things he said. Mm-hmm. I think the and left has taken a, a bit out of that playbook and said, you know what, we're just going to out-crazy each other and we're just going to come <laughs> yep. in here. And, and I think that's what it's, you know, whoever's the loudest wheel is going to Yeah, but here's the difference that I see it. So Trump's, Trump's craziness was he's not of the people by his background, his biography, but yeah. his craziness was just trying to appeal to those people, right? The Rust Belt, kind of River Valley people in middle America who weren't being mm-hmm. hold, he- heard by either party. Mm-hmm. The crazies on the left are not appealing to anything remotely similar to that, right? Yeah. They're, they're appealing to the campus radicals, like what I call mm-hmm. the mini Robespierre's tearing up university campuses all across America right now. Mm-hmm. People are just shouting down speakers left and right. They're literally just totalitarians is what these people are. So they're appealing to them, right? And just in terms of numbers, maybe I'm too optimistic about this, I don't see that being nearly as big a percentage of the American electorate as the people that Trump was voting for, the deplorables. But... I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I hope you're right. I think yeah. you're right. The, yeah. yeah. Okay, back in a minute. Chad, I love your you outfit. Like that? Yes. Yeah, I got together with my uh, yeah my buddies at Nine Line Apparel. We we came out with this idea a couple of weeks ago, and then we just launched this thing, Unapologetic Patriot. Because I think it says it all. <laughs> I think it says it all. So we're pushing them. Well, where can they find them? You can get them at Nine Line Apparel. You can go to NineLine.com. Uh, and then, Josh, you are editor-at-large of The Daily Wire once again. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Josh underscore Hammer, or Daily Wire. My author byline's right there as well. And you just wrote that piece on the 2020 field. It is up at thedailywire.com? Yep, as of like two hours ago. Okay, perfect. So you can find him there. Uh, and those of you who already have Blaze TV, we like to call it the cool crowd, you can tune in to Overtime Next. We've got much more to come, so stay tuned. 
Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. You know, we were just talking about the 2020 election. And Chad, I know you mentioned um, Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying that she agrees with this growing movement of really super smart people who want to lower the voting age. This is what Nancy had to say about it. I myself, personally, I'm not speaking for my caucus, I myself have always been for lowering the the voting age to 60. I think it's really important to capture kids when they're in high school, when they're interested in all of this, when they're learning about government Uh, to be able to vote. That is... That is not necessary. You know, in other words, some of the priorities in this bill are about uh, transparency and openness and accessibility and the rest. Uh, that's a subject of debate. But my view is that uh, I would welcome that. Ooh, of course you would, because the dumber the voter, the more likely you are to vote for a Democrat. And 16-year-olds are about as dumb as you can get. <laughs> They're eating Tide Pods. You want them to vote? Right. No, I don't. Yeah. We should be talking about raising the voting age to 35, not lowering it to 16. Sure. It's just, this is insanity. And there are a bunch of Democrats pushing this right now. A bunch. They're serious. Yeah. Well, I mean, she makes it very clear, doesn't she, Chad? She says, we want to capture them. Yeah. yeah. We want to capture them. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, we very clearly know that this is... Just a ploy so that they can get more Democrat votes. Well, why 16? Why not 14? Why not 13? Why 12. Not 12. 8. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, you know, register them at birth. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Um, you know, I, I've always been in favor of dead people voting. You know, I mean, what, I mean, where's the logic? I, it doesn't make any sense. Why? I agree with Stu Berger, who says, hey, if you're voting for somebody in Congress, you should have to be 25 because that's how old they have to be to run. Mm-hmm. You should be 35 to vote for president because that's how old they have to be to run. I, it, you're exactly right. We should be. The, the right to vote is something that people have shed sacred blood over. Yeah. This is a major thing. We say it tongue-in-cheek, but this is a major part of our republic as United States, as Americans, as patriots. It is a heavy and grave responsibility. You don't just give the keys to the Ferrari to the 16-year-old kids and say, you just got your license, here you go. Mm-hmm. It's a very grave thing. And to talk like that is... Dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. You, you should have to have skin in the game. Yeah. You have to have life experience. You have to, you know, pay some bills. Uh, at least have a driver's license might be nice. I mean, it's, it's amazing what 16-year-olds don't know about the world. And they show it to us every day. I raced uh, six of them. And at 16, not a one of them were smart. None of them. <laughs> we apologize to Pat's nope. children watching this It's broadcast. true. It's true, though. I got five of them. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I mean, here's a compromise that I would be willing to compromise with Nancy Pelosi on this, though, okay? The 26th Amendment, which I think was passed in the, ratified in the early 70s. I'm not could be wrong with that. I think it was around then. That was the first time that we federalized the voting age, okay? That was the first time that we made federal 18 years old to vote. If we can repeal the 26th Amendment and kick that back to the states, then California can do whatever it wants, okay? They're, on, they're apparently on a suicide mission anyway. Like, mm-hmm. that state's not in good shape right now. Yeah. If they want to lower the age to 16, 14, 13, whatever, go for it. And here in Texas, <laughs> we can raise it to 35 or whatever we want. That's, I think that's a fair compromise. I don't see them mm-hmm. agreeing that compromise, but if she wants to lower it, then she should, in my view, she should be able to do it in her own godforsaken district. Right? That's genius right there. Let's go back to states' rights yeah. with that. We'll do it. Okay, so yeah, California, but- you can have all of those votes. But I'll remind you, there's this thing called the Electoral College. So you can get 
Every 16 year old in California, but you're still all you're going to have is those electoral votes. We just keep, you know, raising the thing up. We'll win our states. That's true. I mean, it just still blows my mind that, you know, you can vote at 18, but you can't drink alcohol legally until you're 21. That right Mm. there should show you. Die for your country. Right, and die for your country, but. I mean, based on Pat's logic and just crazy 16 year olds, I think we should repeal suffrage, too. I mean. We should talk about that. At least let's have the discussion. All right? Let's have the conversation. Landed gentry. Are you blushing? I'll deal with you later. I'll deal with you later. Chad Prather. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I mean, Republicans would never lose another election for whatever it's, whatever it's worth, right? Mm-hmm. No, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I say kick it back to landed gentry only, right? I mean, that's what the founding fathers believed in. You have, you have to have skin in the game. I mean, like, I'm being like a little tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but really not that tongue-in-cheek. I mean, you should have a stake fully to. in the future of the country in order yeah. to exercise your patriotic— yeah. and, and, and I'll quibble a little bit with the notion of voting as a right. Um, at least from—I'm I'm a, I'm a lawyer. From, the Supreme Court has actually— kind of been on the fence on this, but voting is viewed closer to a privilege than, than a true constitutional right. Um, the justices themselves will, will disagree right, on this. because it can be lost. It yeah. can, can be, be forfeited. Felons felon felon. forfeit the right to vote, mm-hmm. for yep. example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really more of a privilege, and I, I think it's dangerous to go down this road of unqualified right to vote for 16, 13, whatever. It's just a very, very dangerous road, and it's not one we should go down anytime soon. Well, and now that you've said that, I want to pick your brain a little bit mm-hmm. on um, felons when they lose their right to vote. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, they've served their time, right? So yeah. they have paid for their sins, so to speak, and they still lose that for life. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I generally do not support felons getting the right back to franchise, but you know, it, 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 it could depend on the felony, right? If you want to break yeah. it down a little further, it, you know, I mean, it a violent crime, exactly. Or, you know, how big was the crime? Right, white, like, white collar crime versus like rape, for example. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So was you. It- but wasn't that in recent months so that they were talking about giving prisoners and federal prisoners in Florida the right to vote? They were. Yes. While they were in prison? Yeah, yes. yeah they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy times. Crazy, Crazy times. Well, Florida, Florida just did it. Florida just had a huge felon voting measure. Like a million people were added to the mm-hmm. rolls. So they passed that deal, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've got in some cities, they've voted for, you know, city council and stuff like that, that illegals, illegal immigrants can vote in those elections. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're seeing them slowly take over uh, by just allowing all of these people, illegals, felons, all of these people, the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Hmm, gee, I wonder what their end game is. Gosh, who's to say? I don't know. Uh, all right, today's poll question. Does Robert Bobby Francis, does Bobby Frank O'Rourke have a chance at winning the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. I have shared this several times on this program. I just, I really think that it's going to be Biden Beto. I think Do it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to be Biden and Beto as the VP. That's two white guys. I don't know if they can do that. Okay, so I've been told that. And mm-hmm. my, my comment on that is why? Why not? They all have always talked the talk, but never That's walked the walk, and they've true. never had any repercussions for it. True. So people can say, well, I wish that it would have been a woman, or I wish that it would have been a, mm-hmm. yeah. as we call it, it POC, I'm- like me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, what are they going to do, vote for Trump instead? I mean, it's kind of no. like, it's, it's a similar situation that we're in, yeah. is that, what are we going to do, vote for the crazy left? Of course we're going to vote for Trump. So mm-hmm. Biden Beto, I think there would be complaints, but I still think that they'd be fine with it at They the don't end believe of the what day. they say. Right. They don't believe what they say at the end of the day. And Biden already reached out to Beto a while back talking about him potentially being his VP. Did he? Yeah. So there was, al- there was already talk about that. 
Which, I, again, I, I just think the, the, the Democratic Party, I think yeah. the, the leaders of that party, I, I would think that that would be, you know, what they would push for. Sure. DNC. If Beto had been smart, honestly, it, Andrew Heaton has said this, it, he should have said, I'm going to go into the thing, I'm going to serve eight years with Biden and then run for president. I know. I know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Bobby Frank is a pretty alluring VP candidate, actually, right? right. I mean, like, as, as he's the, not as scary. He's not. Yeah. He's got the charm. He has a little bit of charm. He's got that like stupid like punk rock thing going on, right? I mean, but you can also see him kind of getting into fisticuffs, right? I mean, he's he literally he, he almost killed someone in DWI. He's not afraid to get a little dirty, like get, you know, <laughs> you know, like I, like, like pull out a knife and get a little blood on his hand. So you can see him kind of like going full attack mode in that VP debate. Um, so I actually, I, I, I would agree, he's like a serious VP contender, but I don't see Biden taking it for all the reasons we discussed earlier. I would, I would probably say Kamala right now, just because Bernie has it at that economic justice Marxist wing covered, mm -hmm. but I just can't bring myself to see a modern political party nominating an 80-plus-year-old USSR honeymooning guy. Maybe I'm naive. I, I legitimately yeah, may be I, naive, but like, it's, just, it's just so hard for me to see that happening. Uh, so I, I, I could see Kamala making like some inroads into like the Marxist wing, and she's definitely not a particularly capitalistic person, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I would say Kamala better right now, but it's hard to say, right? So um, a black woman and a Hispanic. <laughs> That's huge. Do you guys? Do you, I, I think they ought to lower the running age to twenty-five. We just get AOC in. We're lowering ages. Let's lower them all. Don't give them any ideas, Chad. Don't give them any ideas. Um, really quickly, and you can take that poll at The Blaze's Twitter. That's at The Blaze. Do you find uh, Kamala to be genuine when you, when you hear her speak? Uh... No, but I don't listen to her speak very often. <laughs> you make it a point so, to not like, listen to her speak yeah, very do. often? I do. Okay, I have this, I have this conversation with Glenn and Stu <clears throat> all the time that they think that she is very likable, very genuine, very relatable. And when I hear her speak, I just see mm. complete uh, disingenuous conversations. Like, I don't believe her. I don't find her to be believable. I don't find her to be likable. So I'm always curious to see... What do you think, Josh? Yeah, so she's very cynical and career advancing, right, for all, all the obvious reasons that, you know, you were alluding to earlier, right? But I, when I listen to her speak, I do see a more sincere person relative to the other people that are running, right? I mean, compared to, like, Elizabeth Warren. See, I wonder if it's a gender thing. Because all the men I talk to are like, yeah, I feel like she's genuine. Yeah, I, mean, I think she's a hard left figure. I, I think she believes what she's saying. You know, in, in like, in distinction to Cory Booker, who, mm -hmm. as you said earlier, is, like, actually a somewhat moderate, decently smart guy and doesn't believe half the crap that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Uh, I think Kamala like actually believes what's coming out of her mouth. Bernie definitely does. Oh yeah. Uh, O'Rourke, as we discussed earlier, is a total chameleon. Doesn't believe a damn thing. So like yeah. he doesn't believe. But yeah, I think Kamala actually believes what she's saying for the most part. So that goes a long way, at least for modern political standards, right? Chad, do you? I agree. I, I think she believes what she says. But so did Christine Blasey Ford, and so did Anita Hill. I mean, I, it's, it's the same deal. I mean, I truly believe Anita Hill 100% believed what she was saying. She had so gotten into her own brain, and I think Kamala's done the same thing. Thank you guys for being here. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. You don't look like we're you had a pleasure. We're in the same style. <laughs> not? I know. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.